Continuing our completely nutty theme of actually talking about football, Trent Jordan Watt is our subject for today. Good morning to you. Good Thursday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports, and this is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into hockey and or baseball, I also offer daily shots of Penguins and Pirates in the same place that you found this. TJ was, of course, named to his sixth Pro Bowl yesterday. Uh, joining him were Minka Fitzpatrick and Miles Killebrew. TJ also was named the team's most valuable player in a vote conducted in the locker room. And beyond that, as we all know, still lies plenty more because he's currently got 17 sacks leading the National Football League. He's got at least one sack in 12 of the Steelers' 16 games to date. Since he was drafted in 2017, he has averaged, get this, 0.93 sacks per game. He's basically a sack a game player for the duration of his career. And if that sounds like it might not be all that common, it's because no one's ever done it in the National Football League with a minimum of 100 games started. This is a truly special, and boy, does that term get overused in sports, player not only in Pittsburgh's football history, but in the NFL. He also happens to be everything that you'd hope he'd be off the field. Take that from someone who's blessed to be around him, to cover him, to get to know him. This was his reaction yesterday upon getting the word from his teammates. Anytime uh, my peers see the amount of work that I'm putting in and um, show that they have respect for what I'm trying to do. It's super gratifying because that's all you want at the end of the day is to have respect to the people that you work with day in and day out and uh, just continually trying to get better on and off the field as a leader um, to try to help this team in any way I possibly can. And um, I'd be lying if I told you this didn't mean something to me. Um, doesn't matter how many times it is. Each and every year I'm trying to find ways where I can get better and improve And uh, I don't take this honor lightly at all. Now, if everything I've talked about so far sounds like it has some sort of but component to it, it does. And that, of course, could not conceivably be a negative about him, but rather the most negative possible statistic. Maybe the most negative possible statistic you'll hear about anything football related this season. In all of TJ's pass rushes, in all of his pursuits of the quarterback, he's been the beneficiary of exactly three holding calls. I am not making that up. Three flags have been thrown. So if you were wondering why, I think this was about two or three weeks ago, don't remember exactly where we were, somewhere on the road, when TJ made the remarks to me that he did, about the NFL being, he didn't say out to get me or something to that effect, but he said that they, you know, they don't like me. And as a result, he's trying to just kind of keep everything to himself. And of course, telling me while he's 
standing in front of a microphone isn't a great way to do that, <laughs> but whatever. I also noticed the other day in Seattle on two occasions, two occasions where he got to the Seahawks backfield, he got close to Geno Smith and Geno wasn't in one of those spots where he could get rid of the ball quickly. So TJ had a chance at him and he just flagrantly held. I mean, close to a, a tackle, like just wrapping both arms around him and keeping him from getting really even near Smith on one of those. And again, I, I'd never know how much or how little of this they show on TV, but on one of those, Gino moves out of the pocket and completes a pass deep downfield. And the only two people left way at the back of the pack as they're moving down toward where the chains are going are TJ and the official who let this go. And I'm thinking, this is it. He's just going to, he's going to pop. He's going to lose it. He didn't. He just walked next to the guy, but far enough in front of him that it was pretty obvious that they weren't having a conversation. How he does that, I don't know. It's maybe the single most impressive trait that he has from a personality standpoint as a football player. And that said, you know, for all the times people bring up goofy conspiracy theories, whether it's about the team or about a certain player or about the league, and the latter is pretty common anymore, nobody brings this up and I don't understand it because this actually is legit. Roger Goodell and everyone in New York, and this couldn't be more obvious, has put out a mandate that edge rushers are basically to be ended. I'm not giving you hyperbole here. If edge rushers are effective, by definition, they're getting to the quarterback. If they're getting to the quarterback, they're doing damage. If quarterbacks are out, then that's doing damage to the shield. So in lieu of making things even more convoluted than they already are in terms of how you can bring a quarterback to the ground, I believe they're just going about it this way because it's not just TJ. The same thing is happening to Miles Garrett. It's happening to other preeminent edge rushers in the league. Sure, they're still putting up their numbers, but they're not getting any help in doing so from the officials. And even as someone who's a vocal proponent of player safety, I've got a problem with that because it feels like such a sneaky, underhanded way to go about it. If you really, really, really believe that the NFL can only succeed or grow if, I don't know, let's say 90% of starting quarterbacks somehow make it through all 17 games of a regular season, then just go ahead and change the damn rules. But don't pretend, you know, don't, don't make a farce out of it right in front of everybody. Don't let someone grab the edge rushers, whether it's TJ or Garrett or anybody else, and just hug them and throw them to the ground. And that, by the way, was how TJ got hurt a couple weeks ago. He was tackled to the ground because, as I see it, quarterbacks have skill. 
They're fun to watch when they're really good. We've seen a lot of that, of course, over the past couple weeks with Mason Rudolph. But I enjoy watching a great, a truly great defensive player perform at his peak. I definitely have no use for watching him get neutralized because a referee's been told that it's now okay to just do whatever you want to him because he plays that position. When we come back, J1Q. This segment of Daily Shot is brought to you by our good friends at Mike's Beer Bar. They're located on Federal Street, directly across from PNC Park. Mike has more than 500 beers on tap, including from more than 50 local breweries. Stop in and say hello. Tell Mike we sent you. Mike's Beer Bar. Today's J1Q comes from Bobby in Southern California who says, Hey DK, longtime Steelers fan, have you heard lately, whether it be from opposing teams or the Steelers players themselves, if the offensive play calling is still predictable? Bobby, with all due respect, you can see this yourself. You don't need me and you don't need them for this. When you're sitting on your couch or on a bar stool or at the stadium, wherever it is that you happen to be watching. And you think to yourself, oh, obvious rushing down here. They're absolutely going to run it. And they don't. That's your answer. When you see them setting up on third downs in particular, that's been the shining moments, I think, from a play calling standpoint for Mike Sullivan and Eddie Faulkner. They've come in with a solid plan for third downs of all distances. And on top of that, they've got the players beginning with Mason Rudolph believing that they can execute. From there, when they do execute, and a lot of that's been Rudolph to George Pickens, it lifts everybody up just a little bit higher. The floor gets raised for the entire process. I've been deeply critical of Mike Tomlin at various points in the past season. I believe that heading into 2024, either there are significant changes to a lot of things happening on South Water Street or that Tomlin should be one of them, one or the other. But it's okay to also give isolated credit where due. It was Tomlin, according to the players, who set the tone the entire week leading up to the trip to Seattle, that he wanted to see aggressiveness. He wanted to see the offense show its teeth. He wanted to see the offense do things that people weren't used to seeing from the Steelers over the course of the 2023 schedule. And he got it. He got a lot of it. I mean, we can all look at that last throw from Mason to George, the one where everybody's in Mason's face and he puts it up and George gets it, brings it down and ends up picking up enough yardage to get down to the Seattle 20 and basically seal the game. This started out at midfield. But it happened along the way multiple times. I thought, and I don't care what anybody thinks of me for saying this, I thought Tomlin had a hell of a game overall. I thought he had a hell of a week. 
He pushed all the right buttons on and off the field from what I was told, beginning with emphasizing something that I usually think is pretty silly to hear from a head coach or manager in any sport, but he was emphasizing the whole 12th man thing and how he didn't want to have the atmosphere at Lumen Field take over the Steelers. He wanted it to be the other way around, and he had convinced, he really, really sold his players on the concept that if they run the ball, that place has no chance. And they also felt, I can share this, that they could run, and they knew that they would run. So they walk in there with the confidence that if all they do is what they should do, what they know they should do, they're going to eliminate what their head coach had built up as their greatest obstacle. That is that is really good stuff, my friends. He has not had a good season. He has not had a good five seasons. But Tomlin had a really, really good week and good game. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Steelers. We're going to do one more of these tomorrow before I head off to Baltimore.